out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we hear the story of my friend Morena. I met Morena a few years ago, but did not really get to know her. She dressed quite bohemian and looked all cool as hell, and I loved her style, so I liked her. But it was not until about a year ago that I got to know her well. Her dress sense has changed a bit, but the more I get to know her, the more I like her. Morena is one of those people whose spiritual journey again reminds me of the resilience of the human spirit. She has been through a lot in life and has come out at the other end with her head held high and in a better place than ever before. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counselling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me directly or any of my social media platforms. This is Marina's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Marina, good. Where are we? Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for inviting me. You are most, most welcome. So, we are going to talk about you today. Okay. Your fav- Hopefully your favorite topic of discussion. <laughs> well, it hasn't always been, but I think it's getting there. <laughs> good, 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 good. You're a girl from Pretoria. Afrikaanse meisje van Pretoria. Actually, it's like an uh, Afrikaanse meisje van Johannesburg. Ooh. Yes, I grew up in Johannesburg. Okay. Yes. And then I went to Pretoria when oh, I went to go study. study. Yes, yes, I remember that. So it was only yeah. after school that I moved to Pretoria. Okay. And you came from a good Christian family? I wouldn't call it a good Christian family. Um, I don't think we were unchristian, but my mother firmly believed that we had to go to church and we had to go to Sunday school, but that she was exempt from it. <laughs> okay. So... That's an interesting one. So religion was something that was outside of the house. Yes, it was sort of practiced in the house in the sense that we had religious concepts. And my mother grew up in an extremely religious um, uh, household. Her father was actually a Dermany. Your mom's father? Yes, my mom's father was a Dermany. And my grandmother was very religious. And my earliest recollection with religion was actually my grandmother getting us whenever we slept over or stayed over she would make us pray at night and we'd literally sit next to the bed and she would do a little prayer with us so I think religion was more introduced by my grandmother and my mom had it in the back of her head that we had to have this religious upbringing, but that she didn't have to partake in any religious concepts okay. or anything. Yes. And was her father still alive when you were little? Yes, for a brief period he was. He 
passed away when I was in standard four, okay. which is grade six. Yes. And do you have a recollection of his take on his daughter not going to church? Because that's actually a huge thing. That, 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 that made you a Christian to go to church. If you didn't go to church, you weren't a Christian. Yes, but my mother had excuses because <laughs> she was very hard of hearing. So she always said ah. she'd done the religious thing and she'd done her bit. But if she goes to church, she can't hear ah. them speaking. So okay. she would um, say that that was the reasoning behind okay. it. I don't think that was the truth. <laughs> I think that she actually found it boring and didn't connect. So... Yeah, no, she always had an excuse why okay. she didn't have to go, but we had to go. Okay. And did the religion thing resonate with you? Did you call yourself a Christian? Very much so. Yeah, we had to do the Sunday school thing. So you start, you go to church, and then afterwards you do Sunday school, and you've got this book you work through, from yeah. which I remember, like the Katkasasi book. Yeah. And in age, uh, in yes, age groups. and I sort of... It, I actually, I think I moved towards religion because I was desperately looking for something and this was an answer. So I would read the Bible every night, I would pray and I'd look for this absolution from sort of everything that I felt was wrong in my life or everything that I didn't connect with. So yes, I think I was fairly religious and when um, we were... I don't know what is angenium. Um, confirmed. Confirmed yes. in the church. I, at that point, really believed that God had um, sent his son to die for me on the cross and that this was how religion worked. Okay. So I was very strongly Christian. Uh, yes, more Christian than I would say spiritual, just okay. Christian in that narrow-minded yeah. belief. Okay. And then you went off to varsity. And yes. did, did it change then? Well, I didn't really have time. And I think it was a different circle of people I started moving in. Um, some of the people in the resident where I was staying were still fairly religious and would, you know, go to church. And I'd sort of sometimes think, well, maybe I should join them. But I had other friends that had no interest in it. And also we started looking at things and this is quite weird is like we did evolutionary studies and we did genetic studies because i did a bsc so there was a lot of this big bang theory okay. and evolution that came in and i think sort of i started thinking a bit different about just plain religion i think i always still clung on to the idea that there was for lack of another word a higher power yeah. or a god figure that was in control and that sort of had a higher hand in everything but it wasn't that the earth was created in seven days and there was somebody who oh, waved okay. a magic wand and we were poof experienced yeah. it was more like there was a higher power that played a role in initiating things so that was more how my religion shifted yeah you studied veterinary sciences Initially, I studied a BSc. I then went on to do my honours, and then I went on to do a master's. And while I was in my second year of my master's, I had a realisation that there was nothing that I was going to be able to do with this degree. 
unless I wanted to become a teacher or a uh, work in a lab and yeah. then I went back to my initial dream of becoming a veterinarian. Okay. So you never finished the masters? No, I finished my masters. Oh my it took like me a, three like years. A, like a good I, girl first, first finished the masters. No, I did it part time while I was okay. doing veterinary. I did it oh in the first God. two years while I was studying. I finished it part time. Mm. Okay, this is why we need visuals because my my draw is on the floor. So you were doing veterinary studies and doing masters at the same time. Yes, but Good because God. I did the BSc initially, I only had to do some of the subjects for the first two years. Okay, so I didn't so have to do the full thing. I'd already oh, okay. done chemistry and I'd already done biology or animal studies. So I basically had to do physics and anatomy. Those were my only two subjects out of the four or five. Yeah. And that's why I had enough time to do my master's part-time. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I probably not I would, have, say, would have no, done that's, that. That's hectic. That's insane. Yeah. Why does a veterinarian need physics? <laughs> I think if, I asked that if, question if several is, times. If a dog is running at 10 kilometers an hour and a ball is thrown to him at 20 kilometers an hour, <laughs> will the dog ever catch the ball? <laughs> How long yeah, no. I don't know why they feel you need <laughs> physics and... Well, I suppose chemistry you need because you're going to eventually yeah, that, that, that figure makes, out how sense, but things work. <laughs> no, well, I wasn't very good at it. I basically just got through it. So. I, hardly, I hardly got through physics or, chemist, or, um, yeah, uh, or chemistry yeah. at the high school. At least school, they so. didn't make us do maths because then it would have been an epic fail. <laughs> Definitely. It was never so a mathematical <laughs> hair on my yeah. head. Yeah, me, no. me neither. And then I married one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I must say, my f husband was also fairly mathematically inclined, and he always could never understand how I couldn't grasp yeah. the concept. Mm -mm, I think no. people who do maths just get it, and people who don't do maths don't get yeah. it. Does something happen for you when you, when for the first time you kind of, I, I presume that, that at some stage you dissected animals? Yes. And... You kind of look at this entity lying in front of you and you see the heart and the lungs and the liver and the kidney and the ever and you, you, you start to understand how this all works together. Is that a, a, a biological cranial process or, or is it a spiritual process? I think for me it was a combination of the two. Because you also start in layers when you do anatomy. You start first with the outer layer, the skin, and then you go with the little nerves on the outside of the muscles. Then you go the muscles, the deeper nerves, the blood vessels, then the organs, and then the bones and everything. Okay. So it comes in layers. And when you look at how it all fits together and works perfectly, it's, for me, impossible to imagine that it was just a confluence of things that pushed yeah. it. There is for me, as even as a scientist, a miracle in how it all works together. Yeah. And I can't say that I can't see that there isn't something which pushed things in a certain direction in different ways. So yeah. I think it's a, a a combination of a spiritual and a scientific mind awesome. coming together. I don't think it's like that for everybody. Yeah. I think a lot of people just see the 
the spirituality or the religion component and other people just see the scientific component and that this is a scientific process of electrons, atoms, microns all working together. Perfectly but me, working yes, together. Yeah. But for me it was, there had to be something somewhere to create this perfect thing no. that works like it does. I had the same type of experience when I did developmental studies in psychology. Because you start with, you even start with psychological theories of um, the, the idea of why you were conceived will have a impact on your psychological makeup one day. For instance, if your parents have you just to save their marriage, mm. then that could have an influence on you as a human being moving forward. Because the, 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 the um, motivation was not to conceive a child in love and care and all the things. It was to save a marriage. Exactly, yeah. So there even even psychological theories that, that work pre-birth. But then you we studied kind of those psychological theories and then we go into the process of conception and the development, the development of the embryo through all the different phases. And at the end of that, and just look at everything that can go wrong in that process. And there are millions of healthy babies born on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. You think, that's a miracle. If everything that can go wrong and so many normal people, physically normal people, are, are, I do are think being that born. That, that, that's when I had that type of idea. So there's the biology, but there's also this miracle thing behind it. It's, I do think that it is. It is, if you put it that way, the miracle of life. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look at how many things can go wrong in that process. Yes. And so so many normal people are born physically normal. That Then, then that is the miracle process. So now you qualify as a vet. And where does life take you? Well, I qualified as a vet and my husband was an engineer and he was working for ESCOM. So he had a job. And we were still living in Pretoria. And was it I think Megawatt Park? he was in Megawatt Park in an, an initial. Is that in Germiston? Where is Megawatt? That's Somewhere sunning, there. Sunning Hill. Yeah. Yes. So he was there and he was very unhappy. I know that because I dated a guy in Sunning Hill and you have to drive past Megawatt Park I to can't, get you. I remember he was somewhere <laughs> in Eskom and he had yeah. to drive there and I wasn't too involved. And he wasn't very happy because I think there was a political shift and not to get into politics, but a lot of things changed in the environment in Eskom. And he, I think, felt undervalued. So we started considering different options. And it was funny, but it was sort of like, okay, I've worked for five years while you've studied um, now it's your turn to go and work and for me to find my feet in a different field. And I think that's when we'd always vacationed in the Cape and liked the Cape and enjoyed the idea of a sea, a mountain, a safe environment, you know, outside of Pretoria, which was becoming a little less safe at that point. And then... Um, that there was an opportunity to get a job in in Gordon's Bay for him no for, for me you. 
and we decided to take that leap of faith and I decided I said to him it's okay I'll go and work for a bit and then you can find something in your field that you would like to yeah. pursue so that's how it actually happened okay. that became, so that's how it came down okay yes. cool Yes. And did he find the Holy Grail? I'm saying this with a smile on my face. No. <laughs> I know. He actually didn't want to go into structured work again. It, oh, it's, no. it's like he wanted to do engineering or he wanted to do practical things. He loved working with his hands. So he wanted something practical and he didn't want to get caught up in that routine of nine to five. So he actually started working for himself, doing little odd handyman jobs. And then we decided to build our own house. Oh, my word. And he said he was going to do it. And this was going to be his work. He was going to build our house and I was going to be working. And then he started building our house and gradually moved into the building industry. Okay. And that's what he he was doing. He was working in the building industry, mostly on his own, and um, sort of gained a few contracts through friends that asked him to do something, and then word of mouth, and he started building, and I proceeded to still carry on working in veterinary studies. Okay. Mm. Cool. And then he passed away. Yes. Basically, my second son was born in... um, 2000 well 1999 and I'd been working for somebody for I think five years and we decided she didn't want to give me the opportunity of getting further in the practice or getting a share in the practice or having more sort of say in my work surroundings and um, we decided okay well if this is the way it's going to go then I'm going to start my own practice so I started my own practice and then in 2005 we'd literally just bought a new premises where I was going to open my clinic from and that's when he passed away. Oh my word. Yes. Was it a car accident or? No, he had a stroke. Oh my word. So it was a very sudden and he was a very healthy person. Given up smoking 10 years prior to that. He was cycling every day. He was eating healthy. And it was just a freak freak accident. Oh my word, that's terrible. uh, Yes. So now you are stuck with a new practice, a five-year-old? Basically a a 10-year-old and a six-year-old, yes. Oh my word. That's horrific. I quickly want to just backtrack a little bit. The, The birth of your children. Yes. How was that experienced as spiritual, as biological, as, oh, fuck, what are we going to do now? <laughs> well, the first, my first son, who is now 24, turning 25 this year, was born in my second last year of veterinary studies. So I was in my uh, year just before my final year. <laughs> And, you didn't um, make your veterinary studies an easy no, process for you, did you? And <laughs> there was a chlipsy, as they would call okay. it in Afrikaans, and I got pregnant. And we decided that we were actually going to have this child. We weren't going to make other choices. And he decided to actually take time off from his work, because at that point he was still working for ESCOM, so he still had 
leave yeah. and that he could build up and he still had a good income. So he took three months maternity oh, okay. leave or paternity leave. Yeah. And I went back to studying yeah. a week after exactly he was born. By then. You were what, 27 probably? Oh my word, I, don't ask me, I told you I'm not good with math. <laughs> I, I can't work out how old I was then, no. Uh, yeah, but if, if I make the yeah. big sums, you were twenty. Yeah, so you weren't yeah. exactly a child. You were you were of childbearing age. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't a wise decision, probably. But it was it was we saw it as not as a challenge, but we saw it as a gift yeah. and an opportunity. And we'd always planned on having kids. It wasn't yeah. that we ever made a decision we weren't going to have kids. But and we didn't say, oh, we were going to wait until this and this and this happened. I certainly think we were planning on waiting till I'd finished my studies, but it happened. And then he took the leave. And so I think he played a much larger role in raising my oldest, my eldest son yeah. than I did because I went back to studying and then just after completing my degree when he was when my son was just older than a year I immediately started working yeah so I think he played a much larger role in 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 that that yeah. that one and then my second son was born just before I started my own clinic and it was also at that point We'd been waiting, waiting, and it was also, it wasn't a planned pregnancy. It wasn't something that we thought would be, we thought at that point we were on the road to the right place. Yeah. I mean, I was starting my own clinic. He was earning a good income from the building, and we were ready to have a second child. Okay. So I think they were gifts, and they were blessings, but they did come at a challenging time in, in our lives or a challenging time in my life. I think my husband always just took things in his stride a lot easier than okay. me. I would see things as a challenge and he would just see them as how they were. Yeah. My mother always says, if you have to wait until the right moment to have a child, nobody will have to. Nobody will have to. Because there's hardly ever the, 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 the perfect time. No. So, so it, it's a good philosophy to, okay, kind of, you know, when they happen, they happen and, and it's okay. <laughs> yes. And how the hell do you get through such an untimely death? With a hell of a lot of alcohol and exercise, <laughs> to be really honest with you. We survive um, with a hell of a lot of pain in this country. <laughs> yeah, I th it, was, uh, it was extremely traumatic for me. And I always believed that he was my soulmate because I met him... Incidentally, in my second year at varsity, so I'd been through a long period with him, and he was the first person that I actually ever truly fell in love with. And if something like love at first sight exists, that was love at first sight. I walked into a room where a whole bunch of students were playing poker and lying around, and I saw him, and I thought, I like this guy. Awesome. And so for me, it was literally devastating. And I just, I didn't know how to cope. And I used any crutch I could find. Okay. And now we are, how many years later? 18 years later, you said yes. earl earlier today. Yes. And where is Marina today um, in her life and spiritually? 
for me now after a year in recovery spiritually and emotionally i think i'm in the best place i've been in 18 years Yippee! it really awesome. has it has been it's been a journey since that happened and now i i'm happy with myself i'm content with where i'm at in my life i've got a connection with my friends and with my family and I'm building a new life yeah. forward. So you've got yes. dogs, you've got cats, you've got chickens. She brought me fresh eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've got chickens. <laughs> and they for... don't always like look like a blessing. They are hard work. But yeah. How many do you have, is it? Nine. That's a lot. That is a lot. But there were 16. Oh, my word. Yes. And then Christmas happened. <laughs> So well, we had 16 chickens by the 16th of December, and then there was Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and New, New Year's, Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and now we have nine. nine. <laughs> something like that. No, not actually. Hopefully, a like fox that. didn't happen. No. Was it just natural? Natural. It was attrition? natural causes. Okay. Um, they are approximately between five and seven years old, oh, wow. so I've had them for a long time. So they are gradually moving. To the, to the chicken, this is chicken, the most chicken higher ground. The or most whatever. interesting question I've ever asked in, <laughs> on the podcast is: so, what is the expected life expectancy of a chicken? <laughs> Anything from sort of five years, roughly five years. So I've yours, had so chickens that have turned nine years. Oh, so I think so it yours depends. So living on, a very very good life. I think it uh, depends on what kind of chickens you've also got. Okay. Whether you've got the big fat ones that you're supposed to eat or the big ones that are supposed to only lay eggs or the little ones that run around in the townships. And which ones do you have? A combination. <laughs> okay. One of, a, a few of, in, of many. So with the... <laughs> I can't believe we're having a conversation about, about chickens. chickens. No. But I find this actually really quite interesting because I've never thought of this. Um, so is the plan to eventually allow a set of eggs to hatch so that you can kind of bring up the next generation? No, I don't have any men in there. Okay. But you can always bring a male in there. Yeah, but your neighbours wouldn't approve. Or my neighbours wouldn't Would not approve. approve. Okay. When I so, started so when these with ones my die first... Off, you, it's that, that's yes. it. So when no I more fresh eggs for feeding. When I started with my first chickens, when I had them at my clinic initially, I had a cockerel... And I used to get lots of little baby chickens. And that's how I sort of gradually grew a population of chickens. But we had some really unfriendly neighbors who actually did not approve of being woken up at four o'clock in the morning with a cockerel crowing. I don't blame them. So eventually he had to go to a farm and then we just kept the girls. Okay. So and as, uh, without, in a, as in a real farm or the yes. farm you tell children their dogs go to? No, this, he actually <laughs> went to a real farm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what happened to him at the real farm is is, is, is well, then another Christmas, story. Christmas happened, Easter happened. <laughs> yes, something like that. But and no. then the French of Cockerville happened. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, word. Okay. so what, what's your, your understanding of a higher power today? I've actually got a very simplistic understanding of a higher power. I think it's... It, I think even though... I 
wandered off from my Christian background and especially after the death of my husband had a huge resentment towards God. And so the whole thing of why, 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 why we, would he why take such fucking, a good why person? That, yeah. Why when there are murderers wandering the earth and rapists and yeah. people, why would you take a good person? So the whole existential crisis thing happened for Happened you. most definitely and blame and everything. And then um, I think sort of it gradually came to acceptance again that these things do happen for a reason. You might not always understand the reason or know the reason at that period in time. And I think for me this is still slightly unexplained. But um, I've moved back into a very conventional um, oh, cool type of religion and and my higher power is god i don't think he's a narrow-minded god that only follows the bible religiously he's a combination of because i'm also fairly spiritual even buddhist principles and i don't think there's discrimination between Ah. different religions so i think it's god but God, he, God, she, yeah. So you cast your net wide. And, 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 and yes. It's and, nice. and, I love uh, that. Yeah. Yes. I think it's more a Godness than just God. Ah. Yes. I've got somebody that I know who talks about the beloved. I and, used and, to and, always call it the beloved. And sometimes still when I pray, I call him beloved or her beloved one. And I think for a long period of time when... Um, I was very much into meditation and spiritual things, crystal stones, whatever it was, I would refer to it as the beloved. Now, it's sometimes just easier saying God. Mm. It's like my sponsor said to me beginning of recovery. High year power, four syllables, God one. Just say God. So yes. the beloved, four syllables, God one. So, yes. so you, you take so it, I think it, of it, it as the beloved. <laughs> I think of it as yeah. the beloved one, but I call it God. Awesome. And obviously, now this is going to sound weird, but obviously you forgave God. Yes, I did. Okay. How? Is it time? Is it is it an intellectual process? Is it desperation? I think it's a little bit of everything, actually. Okay. I think it is time. I think finding a different love in my life or finding another love in my life... Um, made you felt cared for. Made me feel like there is somebody actually out there that is looking after me. Awesome. Maybe making a realization that my life wouldn't be where it was if these things hadn't happened to me. Ah. And it, yeah, maybe it was part of a process and acceptance that this is the universe's way of pushing us in a direction. Yeah. So I think it's, like you said, I think it's a lot of, of everything. It is time acceptance it's forgiveness it's rationalization even you know i rationalize that there can't be nothing if we are here and if i've received this gift of recovery there has to be something so i have to also say that it's also rationalization that there is something higher 
and stronger and more powerful out there. Awesome. And that, that realization that, for me, that's supposed to be one of the biggest aha moments in my life, is that I am the product of all my past experiences. And all of those things contributed to make me who I am today. And frankly, I like myself today. And, and, and I think I've got amazing experiences, both good and bad, that I can actually use in my life today to help other people, to help myself, to, to, to just be a better person. Just be less of a poopoo. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, less of a football. And it sounds like you've come to that that same... Yes, I think that is true. I I don't... Look, there are a lot of things that one does that you do regret and that you do think were completely, for lack of another word, insane. But you also know that you had good experiences and they were good times and it's made you who you are. And I think that's where the rationalization came in is I am who I am through what I've done or what I've experienced. Fantastic. Cool. Thank you. And that is it. Thank you. That's our chat for today. Thank you very much, Freddie. Thank you for coming to talk to me. I really, really appreciate it. And I wish you all of the best. I hope last Tuesday when you left me, you were going to clean the chicken coop. I hope it's not again the job for this afternoon. No, the kids did that. Cool. I'm glad you She's learning the art of delegation. Well done, girlfriend. (laughs) Look after yourself. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, Freddie. I still giggle at the thought of us spending that much time talking about chickens. I must say, the frittatas I made with the fresh eggs she brought were superb. I loved how Morena went on a proper journey and ended back where she started, with a lot more knowledge and experience and a slightly different take on it. But she found her spiritual home. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field, or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.